It's the 2023 edition of Sunday Golds and the 23 season just uh, about a month away now as Link Jarrett and Florida State get set. Uh, brand new first season for the head coach who comes to us from Notre Dame. And uh, we're so excited to be back here, Brett. Uh, you and I have uh, been on a bit of a pause and hiatus uh, in the fall. Uh, you did a really good job of having a couple episodes there to keep fans up to date uh, on what was happening in the summer and throughout fall. Uh, but we're back. The guys are back uh, and, and we're in business here as we get set for the season. And uh, what a year it's going to be, I guess, you know, since we haven't really chatted in a while, how's your 23, uh, 2023 been so far, your new year? Pretty good. Pretty good. Excited to be back. Just ready to get to baseball. Uh, January also always feels so long because just trying to get to the preseason, but practice starts Friday. So looking forward to get back out of there and, you know, back. Good to be back doing this with you. Missed you very much, Arya. Good to be back. Oh, man. So we'll see plenty of me this year. Uh, you'll, I'll be right back in. And both of us celebrated birthdays uh, in the month of January. Uh, be uh, obviously Brett's. Uh, Brett's got more to look forward to. I feel like I'm getting close to like. Dude, I have. I it's 23. It doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. I don't want to be 23. I want to still be 12. I think I want to be 29. What do you think? Oh my gosh, you're 29. I asked myself that question. Well, yeah, as of uh, when we're recording this, it's January 23rd, and my birthday is not until the 24th. So, uh, no, Ooh. not 20. I'm 28 as of this recording. Um, 30 years old I'll, next year? 30 years old? What I'll do with this episode is I'll listen back to it. So, when I was young and free and energetic, Oh there's really not much difference between 28 and 29, I promise you. And there's probably not much of a difference between 29 and 30. I think at that point, uh, nobody cares anymore anyway, and they've stopped caring for a while. So uh, baseball season, it'll be uh, upon us before we even know it. And, and, you know, I think there's a lot of question marks with this team, Brett. Um, a lot of anticipation for Link's first season. I'm excited. You're excited. This fan base, you know, season tickets for the grandstands have sold out and they have uh, massive amounts of overflow. And so they're trying to figure out what to do there. Opening day might set a record for the number of fans that show up for opening day. We might sell out Hauser, uh, depending on, you know, obviously what the weather's like um, on that Friday against James Madison. But um, can you give me some storylines going into this 23 season to kind of start off this podcast? Yeah, I think the biggest one for me, obviously, is just ushering in this new era, you know, the Link Jared era and a new, you know, way of baseball we do around here. And, you know, it's just felt so stale recently, you know, the last couple of years in this program. And it was just so frustrating because you knew the talent was there. You knew, you knew they had pieces, but it was the same thing happening over and over again, whether it was base running errors, whether it was fielding errors, miscommunications, missed signs, um, you know, some, panic managing some panic play in the field, just a lot of the same stuff happening and over and over again, that was frustrating and just exhausting to watch and not something fun to watch. So, um, you know, after the fall, I think that this could be a really fun team to watch. I don't know if it will lead to, you know, amazing results. I think we'll talk more about that, but, um, you know, I do think this will be a fun team to watch. I think link Jarrett teams will be clean professional teams. I remember, Last couple of years, every time we've played them, I told Aria, it's like we're playing a major league team, not talent wise, but just the way they do things, the way they process things and go about business. It was always impressive. So, um, you know, if we get that business like play this year, like that, that's what we want. And that's the kind of baseball we want to see compared to the last few years. You're muted. boy. Wow. You know, they didn't tell me when you. Rusty. You also didn't know how to use technology. Uh, I guess that's happening. Uh, we've only been in the Zoom era for what, like four years now? Oh my gosh. Right? Like it's been, it's been at least three. COVID was what, 2020? Yes. We are in 2023 now. We are. That's math. And uh, yeah, so um, baseball wise, you know, for me, as I continue to ramble and, and try and figure out how to do a podcast again, uh, I'm excited about. Yeah, I am definitely knocking the rust off. You can see it. It's it's uh, it's happening slowly but surely. Uh, Link's touch on this team will be really important. And, and I mean, I've been out to fall practice a few times, not as much as you have, but 
just seeing the level of detail Link was applying to the team on a day in and day out basis uh, was really impressive. Um, obviously, what he did at Notre Dame, you know, I think is something that is incredibly notable. And I want to see some of that. His teams at Notre Dame, defensively outstanding. They communicated well. They positioned well. They ran bases well. Uh, they were like a well-oiled machine. And it didn't need to have ridiculous amounts of talent because you were doing the fundamentals and you were playing the game the right way. And in college baseball, if you just make less mistakes than your opponent, more times than not at this level, you're going to win a lot of games, right? Like this isn't the MLB where it's you need incredible lineups or three to four star pitchers or a loaded bullpen uh, to, to make the difference. This is college baseball. And I think that's what I'm most looking forward to is you know, less times where I'm scratching my head. Like, why are you, you know, why don't you know where to go from first to third? How do you not know how to run the bases? Why are you not able to catch a fly ball? Um, why are you, you know, struggling to hit the baseball with two strikes, right? Like, why can't you protect and why can't you bunt? Like, I guess that's like, well, like, why can't you push the runner from second to third? You should know how to do that. Things that like you expect players to know in high school. I think that's the biggest storyline for me. And then obviously we're going to get into, we're going to get into, you know, the, the nitty gritty of it and, and pitching. I want to see what Chuck Rostano's, you know, philosophy is with this program. Um, fielding wise, obviously, you know, who fits where a uh, position wise, do we have, you know, that interchangeability, the versatility, um, some of these guys, hybrid positions, where can they fit? And then, you know, in the lineup, you know, who's going to fit there, right? Who are guys one through nine that will play every day and then how link is going to approach that. So that's, those are the storylines for me. I was um, just, I was just going to add, you mentioned links detail. And I think it's not just, not just in what he does, but also like when we speak to him, every time we speak to him, it's like, there's just a lot of thought that goes into every word that he says. And there's even out on the field at practice, like there's, there's a lot of thought that goes behind everything that comes out of his mouth. And, you know, a little different than some of the press conferences we had the last few years. I mean, it's just, it's a whole different kind of, you know, viewpoint on, on, on baseball and how things should be run. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we look at Florida state's offense this year too, Brett, and, and the way that link wants to approach that detail oriented um, philosophy, it's going to start with guys that have been in this Florida state program for a cup, you know, for a couple of years, and it's going to be, guys who have played college baseball for a couple of years. And then of course there's going to be freshmen and there's transfers. It's really just an ingredients, right? Like you're putting them all together. Um, and link link used the off season to try and piece things together for Florida state offensively last year. It wasn't good. And they had moments, they had flashes, but they just kind of seemed, you know, a little out of sorts and out of sync for large parts of the season. And it just seemed like they weren't clear on what the plan was at the plate that's going to change Brett. And I think that's a good segue for you to kind of take us through some of the, the offensive storylines for this team this year. Yeah. I think the biggest difference I saw in, in the fall with hitting was just, there's not guys weren't thinking at the plate. It was more so just go up there and hit. And, you know, when you go up to the plate and you're thinking you can't hit, like you just, it's, this is a mental game. If you're thinking too much, you're not going to be able to hit. You're just going to lock up. And I think that's a lot of what was going on the last couple of years. Um, you know, when you, when you're in scrimmages in the fall and, you know, if you do, if, you know, if you didn't swing at a fastball down the middle on the first pitch, you're at bats over. If you swing at a slider out of the zone on the first pitch, you're at bats over. So when you're in the box worried about those things and having to think that much, I mean, you're not just going up there and hitting and I get the point of some of it, but you know, these guys in the fall just went up there and hit put together good at bats um, you know, Link does a good job of helping guys make, you know, learning how to make in 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 game and in at bat adjustments. I think just with the little details he's able to point out to them. Um, but yeah, I think it it could be an exciting offense. The offense is you know the thing that I'm actually higher. I'm higher on the offense this year than I am on the pitching staff, just because I think there's more depth on that side of the ball, and there's a lot of different things they can do. You know, and I think Metcalf, Coach Metcalf from the past staff recruiting coordinator deserves some credit for a lot of the guys they brought in and kind of flipping how that, you know, how that 
athletes look on this roster. It's just so many more guys that can run and do different things, play different positions, um, just a lot deeper than the last few years. So, um, you know, just a lot of freshmen that I think will be able to contribute and, and do things and, you know, put this offense, you know, take it to a different level than it's been at recently, which has been just at the bottom of the league each year, I think. And that's not something Florida State fans are really used to. Like back in, you know, their heyday, the Knolls were leading the country in offense. I mean, it was it was a top 10 offense year in and year out. Yeah, these are, This is a program that had Buster Posey, right, in the lineup and um, so many more talented names. You had J.D. Drew back in the day, and it's it's been offensive-minded as a program. And so there's a lot of, I think, anticipation on seeing Link's offensive approach where he's been successful at really every stop uh, on that side of the, you know, in that part of the game, um, make its way over to Tallahassee. And so, yeah, I think Florida State, I, I feel confident that the offense will take a step forward. Like I just, based on, just based on the instruction that they're going to get and the philosophy that they're going to get, I feel very confident that, that that attack will go, you know, go north. Yeah, I think, you know, the three biggest things the last couple of years offensively for me has just been, like I said, overthinking. I think the second thing was predictability. I mean, I'm pretty sure every team that came in here probably had a book on FSU that said throw fastballs inside because they're looking – to do damage to the opposite field on fastballs or looking, trying to hit fastballs deep in the zone to the backside of the field. And then also just throw curveballs over the plate first pitch. Cause they're not going to swing at breaking balls first pitch. So I just think the offense became predictable a bit and what, and what their game plan was going to be. Um, and then third, just poor execution on the base pass, obviously just thinking about all the bases that, that they gave up. Um, you know, it's just like making an error in the field when you give up a base, when you, when, when you run into an out and, you know, a lot of times it, it wasn't really being aggressive. It was just not doing it well, just being too conservative or just, you know, hesitating and, and, and not just going and doing in natural instincts. So, um, you know, I think both all three of those things should improve this year and kind of let this offense open up and, and do some things they haven't done recently. Brett, who do you think will be the leaders of this offense? Who are the first, you know, two to three names that come to mind as guys who are catalysts for Link Jarrett's first season? Yeah, obviously you got to mention Jaime first off. Um, just what he did last year. And, you know, I think he'll be even better this year. And I still don't think enough people nationally recognize Jaime. I mean, he's not on any of these, you know, all-American lists or anything like that. And, you know, there's a lot of good outfitters out there, and especially in the ACC. I mean, Honeymoon honeymoon at uh, Boston College could be a first-rounder. Uh, Honeycutt at at North Carolina could be a first-rounder. There's, there's a bunch of guys in this league. Um, man, I, I don't feel like Honeymoon's the right name for the BC kid. But um, So Jaime, first off, obviously, um, you one of the best outfielders in the, in the country there, one of the best outfielders in the league. So, you know, he's going to play hard. Um, and you just – the thing I like the most about Jaime is his, his plate decisions that he makes. You know, he doesn't doesn't really get outside of himself. He knows what pitches to attack. He knows what counts to attack in. And he just always hits the ball hard. Every time the, the ball hits his bat, you know, he's going to, you know, put put a good wood on it and uh, do some damage. You know, also, you got to mention Tibbs from last year. You know, I think he'll probably be changing positions, play, playing more at first base in the outfield this year. But you know, he missed the fall as well. So he didn't get to, we didn't get to see him in the fall because he had shoulder surgery, but he's expected to be ready for the preseason. Um, and just that pop, having that pop in the in the lineup is huge. You know, what he can do to look, the pull side of the field with that fence, but also just flicking balls to the backside off the scoreboard. Um that his he's got, you know, as high of a ceiling as anyone offensively with that with that power. And I think third, you gotta mention Cam Smith, the freshman. Um, phenom that that for you know passed on the draft this year to come to FSU and I thought you know he was everything and more that I expected him to be in the fall. Um, I thought he was much better defensively than I expected him to be, and he just was solid and also made plays that you know not many other people can make just with his length. You know I think he's listed at six foot four and he's got long limbs, extremely strong legs that show out at the plate. Um, he makes good plate decisions for a freshman, doesn't swing and miss too much, has pop, can do a lot of different things. Um, you know, I think he, he could be in store for a year like, like Jaime had last year and 
potentially be a first rounder in 2024. So I think those will be the three, three main guys in the, in the heart of this order coming up this year. It's a good three to have. And I think everyone's anticipating the, the freshman and what he can do. Um, and, and the limited looks that I got from him in fall ball, I mean, it was just the, the ball jumps off the barrel, like differently. Right. I mean, it's, it's impressive and you see him show up and it's like, there's no way that kid's a freshman. Yeah. And I think that's the common theme amongst guys that are, you know, uh, high end draft prospects is like the body and the skill set is just too advanced. It's so far ahead of where someone at that age should be. Yeah. And for him to pick Florida state, Brett was a really big deal. Like that's, that's a major, yeah. major bet for the Knowles and Link. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think Metcalf found Cam about two years ago, maybe three years ago. Wasn't really a high-known guy at that point, but, you know, ended up being, I think, top 50 in the country on PG and top 50 on MLB.com, I want to say, and, you know, passed up a good bit of money, um, you know, seven digits, something like that, to come to Florida State. So, um, but, I mean, everything about Cam, there's there's nothing that, there's nothing there that looks like an issue so far from what we saw in fall. I mean, he has great mannerism. He looks like a older kid um looks like a veteran already um and you know he just like i said good plate decisions and good in the field so those are two things that link Jarrett wants and and he's not going to play you if you're not if you're a liability in the field so him being as good as he was at third base at the hot corner this fall was, was a big thing i think and he looks like a he looks like a big leaguer amongst amongst college kids like you were saying like it's just it's the physicality is it's, it's completely different when when you come to Hauser for a game, you'll notice him. It's it'll tree, be pretty it'll be tree trunks for legs, like, and it's yeah. I mean, he has a seventy grade arm across his infield, probably maybe eighty in the future. It just pops out of his hands. So yeah, that's a different type of athlete right there. Yeah, I think that's you know that that helps us kind of move into the infield because you mentioned two guys that are probably going to figure in the infield um, with Smith and Tibbs. Um, I guess you know. You've been pretty confident saying that Smith will be at the hot corner to start the year. Um, and at least in his freshman year, he'll be a third baseman. Uh, saying Tibbs at first, which I think that was one of my questions for you on this pod was who figures to get time at first base this year. Um, but then I guess the biggest question for the infield up the middle, is it as cut and dry as carry-ons at short and they're finding someone at second base? Or is it a little more nuanced than that? Yeah, I would probably say that short – and third are two of three or two of maybe four spots on this, on this team that I feel are pretty stirred up with Jordan at short and, and uh, Cam at third at first, you know, that's going to be where Tibbs works. Do I think he hundred percent starts there? I don't know. I could also see him DHing depending on what also happens at catcher. If you need Holbrook to DH then Tibbs probably goes to the field. If you don't need Holbrook to DH and he can catch every day, then, you know, Tibbs could DH and you could get another bat in at first or, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of possibilities between first catcher and DH. Um, that all has to be figured out. That's one of the puzzle pieces that will be figuring out this preseason. Um, at second base, you know, you got Nander coming in from Mizzou. Uh, I also like freshman Titan Kamaka. Uh, Jude Putz also came in from Arkansas, but not 100% sure yet if he'll be eligible this season because he entered the transfer portal after participating with Arkansas in the fall. Um, so he's working on trying to get a waiver, I believe, but no guarantee on that. Um, so those three guys are in the mix at second base, along with Trayton, obviously. Um, you know, I think Trayton will also get looks at shortstop behind carry on. Um, so he'll be, in the, he'll be in the mix all over the place just with the utility he provides. And he could kind of be like a 10th man also almost. And just any day you need someone, need to give someone a day off, he goes and, and plays anywhere, and, you know, gives you quality baseball. Um, but at first base, I'd also mention Gunnett Carlson, uh, freshman physical left-handed bat, probably had the best, probably had the best, or I guess he was the most impactful left-handed bat this fall power-wise. Um, just, you know, sending balls off the fence, over the fence and left, I mean, and right, and then sending some balls off the wall in left field. Um, so he had a really good, he had a really good fall. Cade Bush also had a really good fall with some really good exhibitions. I think he had two plus hits in both exhibitions and had two doubles in, in one of those. Um, so I think those are all the guys in the mix on the infield as of now, but I think we'll do some deeper dives into it these upcoming weeks. 
Yeah, definitely. And we'll plan a preview, um, the infield, the the outfield, uh, the lineup, and, and we'll have fan questions too. I think Brett and I saw, you know, a bunch of the questions come in on, on Knowles 24-7 and on our Twitter account. And uh, we'll plan to do a couple today and then uh, with this episode, and then we'll do also uh, a mailbag where we get to the rest of them um, to kind of uh, answer all your, your questions. So um, I guess the question, you know, one of the, the questions I had for you, Brett, uh, just off the top of my head, you mentioned Andrew DeSantis is back after being at Mizzou. Uh, how often do you think he will play for Florida State? Is it a day? Is he going to be a daily starter, or is he more of a depth piece for the Knowles? And um, is he locked to play second base? I don't think I don't I don't think I would label him as a lock. You know, I think you need to get through this preseason at least. But you know, I do think he was brought in here to start against right-handed right-handed arms at second base and maybe start every day. Um, you know, his last year at FSU, he, he had stopped hitting left-handed, but when he went to Mizzou, he be, began hitting left-handed again. So he's fully switch hitting again. Um, and that added another left-handed bat to the roster after, you know, after the left-handed depth was, was pretty thin, you know, in the summer. And they'd been talking to Nander since the summer, I believe just about the possibility of it wanted to get through fall, I think, and, and see what they had. Um, and, you know, Titan Kamaka, the freshman, Really had a nice fall, but, you know, he, he's a freshman, so you want to bring some experience in. I think Nander's only the third senior on this roster now, um, and Nander will have the most experience of anyone at Florida State on this roster. Um, and is Stephen McCartney, FSU's SID, gave me pretty pretty good fun fact that Nander will be the first player to play for – well, he'll have played for all three of FSU's coaches in the last 45 years – because he'll play for 11 his freshman year and then junior two years in link this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, hopefully, you know, this year, you know, he, he comes back uh, and, and gives Florida state some veteran leadership. Uh, Cause last year, I mean, at Mizzou, he, he played pretty well. Like the numbers are, you know, far and improved from his time in Tallahassee. So it's, it was an intriguing ad. I know a lot of the fan base raised an eyebrow at Nander coming back. And so, um, Link, like you said, has a plan for him. Uh, he's going to add valuable depth to the team. And um, he's been in college baseball a long time, right? Like he's had um, a lot of at-bats. He's, you know, been through the good and bad. Obviously, Seminole fans have seen uh, some of each in terms of uh, the, the highlights and the lowlights of his career in Tallahassee. And so at this point, a veteran, um, and maybe he can provide some of that leadership that the Knowles need and, and maybe some stability um, and what is otherwise a very young baseball team. So infield, uh, those are some highlights there. In the outfields, give me some names um, other than Ferrer that figure to get some time because it seems like there are some newcomers that have really impressed in the fall. Yeah, in the outfield, you got a you got a lot of really athletic newcomers. Um, DMS Ross is, is he was really the standout from the fall. Freshman left-handed hitter was probably FSU's most consistent hitter, and he'd probably be my favorite to lead off for FSU on opening day at this point. Um, you know, I really think that DMS might have showed up every day starting center fielder in the fall, too. Just, you know, the at-bats he consistently put together every single day. I mean, it felt like every single scrimmage, every exhibition that he had two hits almost every single day. Like, it, he was just a constant, like, presence in the lineup and on the base pass and, um, you know, He's a really high-level defender in the outfield, too. I mean, I remember watching Diaz a couple years back playing left field on his travel ball team, and Elijah Green was playing center field. It was a first-rounder last year, and Diaz was robbing home runs, making diving plays in the outfield. Um, so he does a lot of lot of things really well. And, I, you know, he'll be a really fun kid to watch. So the energy he plays with and, and the hustle and everything he does, it's just he seems like a kind of perfect player for Link to have to start – to start the year here. Um, some other guys, Jordan Williams will probably be contender to start in left field along with Jordan Taylor. Jordan Williams is a Juca transfer from San Jacinto. I don't, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but um, one of the better Juco's in the country every year um, had a pretty solid season there last year, hit over 300 with a few homers and, and some 10 plus stolen bases. Uh, he just does a lot of things and, you know, he could be another guy in the top of the order or, you know, someone that hits like double lead off in the nine hole um, switch hitter just puts the ball in play speed demon. He just makes everything hard on the infield when the ball's on the ground um, likes to bunt a lot, drag bunts. You see, saw him do that a lot in the fall. 
you know, also has some surprising pop that, you know, when he gets it, it, it can go sometimes. And, um, you know, I think he'll, he could probably be starting on, on, on opening day, uh, depending on the pitch and matchup, but Jordan Taylor as well, freshman, uh, extremely athletic runs six to 60 throws 95 can, you know, probably has the best bat speed on the team, just a little raw. Um, he hasn't, you know, he's only been playing organized baseball since I think he was 13, but you know, once he started playing baseball, got offers from everyone and was top top 50 prospect, turned down some money to come to Florida State. He's an exciting kid to watch. Uh, just at any given point, something crazy, something special can happen with him. Um, but, you know, I think they might give him a little time to develop, maybe get him some at-bats early in the year against left-handed arms, um, see how he progresses from there and end up being, you know, a complete game changer, big X factor for you at the end of the year, possibly. Um, one other guy I would mention, Lance Triple, freshman. You know, he was committed to West Florida for football to be a quarterback um, from Sarasota High School, but uh, he ended up coming to Florida State instead, play baseball. He also catches some, but will mostly be in the outfield this year. Could potentially be FC's emergency catcher. Uh, pretty athletic, big arm in right field. I really like him in right field with that arm. Um, he put together a lot of really good at-bats in the fall, and it was kind of just like, he's just always there and it's hard to ever take him out of the equation in the outfield. I mean, there's a lot of bats to go around and I mean, it's a good problem to have when you have all these athletic guys in depth, which there just has not been recently. So it's good to see, um, but there'll be a lot of guys out there fighting for at bats and left and center field. Um, so it'll be exciting to watch, but I'll, I guess I also mentioned Anthony Whedon. He was a football walk-on that's now a baseball walk-on um, just fast as all get out. I mean, he turns, balls into the left center gap into triples. He can run down any ball in the outfield. Um, so, you know, I think he he's another guy that you could see pinch run a lot, just do a lot of things for Link to make defenses lives a lot harder. Yeah, so the depth the depth is pretty good in the outfield for Florida State in terms of athleticism. And Ferrer is a good piece, you know, a centerpiece to have uh, there. And Ross just – he also plays the game at just such a mature level. When you see him show up, it's like the instincts are advanced for a kid his age. And um, I don't know that that was a name before fall ball that many thought would make the impression that he did. So, yeah, he was, he was never really a big rankings guy, but he just, I mean, since every time I watched him play in high school, I mean, and his high school numbers are massive. It's just, he just makes things happen. And it's almost like, he just will not let pitchers strike him out. He just refuses to let pitchers strike him out. He'll do anything he can to foul balls off and just make, he'll just fight, fight, fight. And that's what, that's what I think this, this lineup definitely needs at the top of the order. Yeah. So keep an eye out on that. Obviously, you know, things will be settled in preseason, you know, in the couple of weeks leading up to opening day in terms of guys solidifying uh, spots in the outfield for Florida state. So uh, infield outfields, Let's talk some catcher DH. Uh, who are some names at catcher? Obviously, you know, McGuire Holbrook bring, being brought in from West Virginia is an option. Colton Vincent being back as an option. Uh, Bad, Baz Jimenez hit the daylights out of a baseball at Auburn that I don't think has landed as of yet. Um, that could be a, a decent option. I know, Brett, uh, some freshmen that came in um, that this staff really likes. And then you imagine guys at the DH position maybe, you know, who didn't win a spot in the everyday field um, out there will get a chance to to be able to highlight their bats. Yeah, I think a catcher, it's it's, it's going to be between Holbrook and, and Vincent. I think they'll be the two guys splitting the duty for the most part. Um, you know, Colton's switch hitting now, that was something he did in Juco ball before he came to Florida State. You know, he looked, looked all right from the left side. Might actually be better from the left side than the right side, I thought, this fall. Um so he'll, you know, that gives you another left-handed bat in the lineup if you need it. And, um, you know, I think it will all come down to just what Holbrook looks like in the preseason with this pitching staff and how he handles guys like Wyatt, how he handles guys like Carson. And those guys just, just have upper tank stuff that moves a lot. Um, that's not easy to handle. Um, you're just trying to balance the bat and the defense and just how you think you're going to maximize the value of your roster, I guess, because this lineup completely changes. If, if Holbrook can catch for you every day and not have to DH it, it, you, you get an extra bat in this lineup that that can make a big difference. But, you know, I think, you know, I, I'm doing the, the 20 most important player list on, on two, four, seven. And, 
you know, I think some people's eyebrows raised when I included Colton on there, but you know, Colton's always going to be important to this roster, you know, even if he's not starting every day because he does provide that veteran presence. And even when Colton was going bad last year, you know, it always felt to me like he was one of the guys that you knew were going to get a job done when you needed it, when you needed a ground ball to move someone over, when you needed a ground ball with the runner on third and in less than two ounce, he was a guy that you felt was going to get it done because he at least put the ball in play and fought. And he's a guy that will get bunts down for you and, and just do some of the, you know, tough things that you you got to get done to be a winning baseball team. So, you know, I, I do still think he'll be a factor on this team and, and still be fighting for a starting job if, if, if he's the better defensive catcher out of the two of those guys. Um, DH, you know, like I said, Holbrook could be that guy if, if he's not catching every day. Um, it could also be Tibbs if, if he's not, you know, reliable at first base after playing mostly outfield last year and wasn't able to get, you know, a ton of live reps this fall because of the injury. So, you know, Holbrook and Tibbs are the two guys that I'm watching this, this preseason defensively, how they look. Cause if they can play every day in the field, I think it, it changes your lineup, but you know, other DH guys, uh, you know, Gunnett, as I mentioned with first base, Cade, as I mentioned with first base, also Baz, as you mentioned, um, you know, potentially Trayton's in that mix too, but I would think you don't want to DH Trayton because of all the places that, that you can put him in the field and, and bring him off the bench. So, um, you know, I think, I think that that will be the sort of the mix from day to day, uh, how we see those guys shuffling and out. Yeah. I mean, a catcher too, you know, you've got to be able to have two guys in a baseball season um, just with the, the daily grind of catching and especially the way the game's going, you're seeing it at the pro level. You want to make sure you you keep guys as rested and healthy as possible um, within a season. So it wouldn't sh- you know shock me to see, even if it's Holbrook, right, catching every day, say that that hypothetically was, it's not going to be every game. There, there's going to be maybe, you know, two, two games out of the three in the series or, you know, three that week if they're playing four or five. Um, and, and then you get Colton in there too. Um, to, to get a couple of games and um, then maybe you do move right like Holbrook to DH for those days. So those are all scenarios that you could see, um, but you got to have depth at catcher. I think you see that uh, the more and more you watch baseball at every level, one catcher is never enough. And so yeah. uh, I, I look forward to, to probably both of those guys figuring into the season in the course of a what 60 games plus when you right. yeah. you're going to need, need both those guys. At some point. Yeah. So there will be big at bats for both of them uh, this season that they're going to have to contribute. So um, we'll be keeping our eyes locked in on, on what transpires uh, prior to opening day. The lineup and the defense, I think are the, the safe spots for Florida state. And I don't know that, you know, for the pitching staff, as we transition, I don't know that I'm not confident in this pitching staff, I just think that there are far more question marks and new roles that have to be explored for a lot of these guys. Um, my question marks, Brett, is I, you know, I'll toss it to you to, to kind of give us a, a quick primer on weekend rotation and bullpen. Obviously, everyone's been talking about Wyatt Crowell moving into the weekend rotation. Is that a Friday spot? It seems like it's possible. Is that a Saturday or Sunday spot? The questions I then have are, you know, is Wyatt capable of throwing a hundred pitches, um, an outing. And I don't mean, is his arm able to handle it? I mean, can he have the same quality that he has shown that he can do for 50 to 60 pitches a night? Um, and can he go through three, the the batting order three times, three times through that order? Um, when guys are trying to make adjustments, the stuff's nasty. We've seen it. His competitiveness is great. He's got so much poise to use him to use an 11 ism. Um, and I just, it's a new role, right? Like that to me is the, a question mark. And then some of the other names, obviously, you know, a Carson Montgomery, a Jackson Baumeister. We've yet to see those two pitch at a very high level consistently asking them to, you know, take on even bigger roles. You know, I'm confident that they can get it done. They have all the talent in the world and they've shown flashes of brilliance, right? It's just a new role and it's a wait and see approach. And, you know, maybe Connor Whitaker ends up being in the rotation because of that stability and just kind of knowing what you're going to get out of him. Um, and then his, you know, the question mark for him for me is how many innings do you get out of a uh, Connor Whitaker? Um, 
on a weekend, right? Is it just four innings? Is it six? Is it 80 pitches? Is it a hundred pitches? Um, how does it all factor? So I just threw a bunch of questions out and that's the amount of questions that we have. And I think the coaching staff is trying to evaluate that too, as we get closer and closer to playing James Madison. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could talk about this pitching staff for an hour straight. I mean, I could, there's just, there's so many variables to this staff. And I think the way I would describe it is just very volatile. It could be really good if the pieces all come together and, if you don't get a lot of best case scenarios, it, it could be a struggle to get through the 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 course of a fifty six game season. Um, you know, I think the simplest way to put it for me is you only have two guys on this pitching staff who have had a success a successful season at this level, um, and that's Wyatt last year through fifty some innings, and, and Connor Whitaker last year as a freshman throwing thirty five innings. Outside of that, you don't have anyone that under their belt has a successful season at this level. And I mean, we know what Carson can be. We know what Jackson can be, but we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it under the lights every weekend. So it's hard to just bank on that being there. And I think, you know, that's the reason this team's not ranked is just because there's, there's no certainty to this pitching staff. And, you know, I'm sure it's something that Chuck and Link have talked about every single day since they got here and trying to figure it out, you know, Problem stems from a couple places. Um, one, you probably, when this roster was being built, you probably expected that you would have Ross Dunn, that you would have Dylan Jacobs, and then you would have Jackson the Zoo. Ross Dunn was probably going to be a weekend starter. Dylan Jacobs would probably be one of your best bullpen arms, and it's probably going to be the best weekend starter in the entire ASUN this year at Stetson. Um, Jackson the Zoo is another arm that would have been, you know, he would have given you value innings if, if, if he's going right, when he's at his best, he can, he can be an arm for you, you know, because you lose those guys and you, you miss on some of the arms you brought in because, you know, they just, there's a few arms, freshman arms that just haven't really developed since that COVID point hit, you know, once, you know, they were the, a lot of, some of these kids are the same as they were in that time two years ago. And just, you know, the velos haven't jumped you know, or the velos have actually dropped or the breaking stuff hasn't developed. Um, you know, I think that was the biggest concern for Lincoln and, and then this, this fall was just that there's, there wasn't a ton of dominant breaking stuff and they like, they want guys to have a dominant breaking ball. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for command, good fastball quality, and, you know, give me a breaking ball that's going to get guys out. And, you know, it's some spots you, you don't have a ton of great breaking balls in the staff. You don't have, you don't have a ton of depth and you don't have a ton of experience. Now you do have firepower and you do have guys that can be very good and some young arms that could do things for you this year. Um, I guess I'll try to get to all your questions now from Aria, I guess first with Wyatt, I'd probably say, you know, Wyatt for me would probably be, you know, he is the favorite to be the Friday starter, but, I wouldn't tell you right now that that's a lock only because I think that Link and Chuck look at this and are saying, you know, where do we get the most value? How do we get the most value out of this? You know, can Wyatt go six, seven innings every weekend or can he only go five? I don't know. I mean, we saw last year that he can go five and be very good in those outings out of the bullpen. He was very good in those, but we haven't seen him go six, seven innings anytime before. I mean, this fall, he only threw four live innings total after throwing, I think, five or six in the summer with USA. And that was probably because of how many innings he threw last year in the spring. Um, So is he more valuable as a five-inning guy out of the bullpen on Fridays versus the first five innings on Friday? I don't know. Can he give you six to seven innings every weekend for, you know, the course of the entire season? I don't know. What I do know is why it's going to get guys out. He's going to be really dominant when he is on the mound and when he's fresh. I mean, he's one of the best left-handed arms in the nation. I think he might be the best left-handed arm in this entire conference. Um, the dominance is just on a different level. And, I mean, his last outing of fall, I think he just struck out three USF hitters on three sliders and just walked off the mound like, this. this is too easy for me and just – kind of chuckling like that's just at, at this point that's how dominant he's become you know Seawit is a guy that I think he's just going to give you 
Connor's the second guy on this staff that you just know what you're going to get from him. You know, he's going to throw three pitches for strikes. You know, he has a dominant changeup that no, neither righties or lefties are going to hit. And you know that he's going to get get guys out and induce weak contact. You know, Connor also really improved his breaking ball this offseason, going from a, you know, a low 70s kind of loopy curveball to a low 80s, high 70s slider that has it's just much sharper and you know, it's not going to get damaged as much as that breaking ball did sometimes when he left it in the zone. Carson, man, there's a lot to talk about with this pitching staff. But Carson, you know, I thought in the fall, at the back half of fall, I thought something started to click for him. Um, you know, I could talk about Carson and, and him, his progression all by itself in one hour too. But I'll try to simplify it as much as I can. I think, I think the thing for Carson is he's just got to figure out how to get his fastball to work, which is basically a sinking fastball at this point. And, you know, he's sitting 95, 96, but it was getting hit really hard at points early in the fall, even though it was high octane stuff. I mean, it, he was as fresh, his stuff was as good as it's been, but he was still getting hit. And that was mostly because of the fastball command where he's leaving the pitch in the zone. It, it, it doesn't, it's not an effective pitch because it's sinking right into the barrel instead of, you know, seeking when he's not throwing it to the corners and he's not going to get the ball away from the barrel. Um, he's just sunk the ball into the barrel a lot, but last couple outings of fall started to get the, the sinker in on right-handers hands. They start to roll over it more. Uh, you start to get lefties to roll over it more. And then you can throw the, the nasty slider that he has. I mean, I think he has the best right-handed breaking ball on this staff with that with his slider. I mean, it was dominant in the fall, but it's just, is Carson going to be consistent? Is he going to be efficient? I don't know. I can't, I can't hundred percent tell you that. Is he more valuable as a starter? Is he more valuable as a long relief type closer? Like cars, like why it was last year. These are just things that you have to figure out. It's the same thing with J bomb is J bomb going to get the fastball down and in the zone. If he does get it down and in the zone, then he's dominant. If he's not, then he's struggling because he can't rely on his off speed because it's, it, it's not good enough. It, his fastball is one of the best there is when it's in the zone. The off speed still needs to be developed to a point where he can rely on it when he doesn't have the fastball command. But right now he can't do that. So it's just, there's a lot of questions about everyone in the staff. I mean, I, I really like Brennan Oxford, the transfer from Wake. I think he might be FSU's top bullpen arm if some of these, these guys become starters. But at the same time, Brennan Oxford's, He's had a six-plus ERA with at Wake with almost as many walks as innings. He didn't have command issues in the fall. He was really good in the summer on the Cape. But can I tell you that those command issues aren't going to pop back up when the lights come on in Hauser on February 17th? I can't 100% tell you that. So it's just a lot of you got to have best-case scenarios for the staff to get through a full season. So seeing how Chuck and Link – what these, how they define these guys' roles and what what they do with them, pitch selection. I'm looking forward to see how it works out. But you know, I think the the lack the lack of depth and the kind of you know non certainty of this staff gives this team a lower floor than the last couple teams the last few years. Even though you have Link, just because it's so volatile, like I said, with the pitching staff, you just there might be weekends where you just don't know where you can go. Yeah, I think the pressure on the first four names that we mentioned, right? The, right, the Crowell, yeah. Baumeister, Montgomery, uh, Whitaker. The pressure on those four to all kind of be that best case scenario version of themselves, I think builds, right? Because, wow, how big was it to have a, you know, Parker Messick and Bryce Hubbard? Like the level of comfort you had knowing that you had that, right? And then, of course, in the bullpen, you, you had good options in the pen, too. Um, mm. Those are gone. The, the safety, it's safety blankets, right? Like even a Davis hair, like you felt, all right, I feel pretty good. He's coming in and getting me three outs. I right. just, I don't have that, uh, even in Oxford, even as you know experienced as he is in the ACC. And he did have an incredible summer in the Cape. I mean, it was, it was big time stuff. You can't count on it. And that's the biggest difference between last year and this year. You can't count on it. And so yeah. now you got to, you kind of have to prove it on a week to week basis that we can count on you. And so um, after those big four, I'll call it the big four, the names, 
there's just not a lot of familiarity with a lot of these names because a lot of them are young too. Yeah, and I, I'm, I was the, the thing with I mean I know Jonah and Davis you know they they got a lot of flack but I mean that's just relievers are going to give up big hits and big moments sometimes that's just that's what their job is but killed out Jonah wouldn't you I, I mean you would kill him. yeah I was going to say I don't think anyone realizes until now how much value those guys held you just you just knew exactly what you were going to get from them you knew they were going to be consistent and what they did, um, even if, you know, sometimes they, they didn't get the job done. I mean, you, they, they were still in there and you trusted them to go in and get outs. Um, you know, a few other names on the staff, I'll mention David Barrett only threw three innings last year. Um, but he's a guy that could be really, really good when he's on, when he's, when he's in the strike zone with his, with his slider um, or when he's getting ahead and counts with his fat sinking fastball and then can get to the slider I mean, he's a guy that will probably throw about 75% sliders and it. It's a unique type slider because of the angle he comes from very over the top, somewhat of a downhill slider, almost like a, almost like a really hard knuckle curve. Um, I just think it's really hard for hitters to adjust to that. And, you know, he does a good job of using it against both lefties and righties, but, you know, I think he could be one of your top guys against right-handed, right-handed hitters, but you know, he only threw three innings last year and he was healthy. It just wasn't used. Um, Andrew Armstrong, I've always thought he can get lefties out. I know he can get lefties out when he's right. They just wasn't really used in the right roles or right moments, I didn't think, the last couple of years. And it's kind of hindered his confidence a bit. But, you know, hopefully this preseason, if he can get right and you need him to get lefties out. Like that's Andrew Armstrong has to get lefties out for this staff to go like it, that. You need guys to fill certain roles. You need guys to step up and fill these roles. Uh, a couple of freshmen, Jamie Arnold was really good in the fall. You know, I think he could be a, a, a sneaky guy for the weekend. You know, he, he started a lot at Jesuit was number one starter for Jesuit Tampa state champs this past year and threw a lot of, against a lot of really, really high caliber competition. Yeah, I think he started against IMG twice. Uh, I want to say he started against Venice, a couple other schools. Um, I think he started against Ber- Berkeley prep. Um, so just a kid that's, face high caliber competition and he's three pitches for strikes, three pitches with movement um, just induces a lot of weak contact. And, you know, I feel confident uh, that Jamie's going to be pretty consistent in the, in the things he does. Uh, ben Barrett's a two-way guy that I should have mentioned earlier, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, he'll be in the mix at first base too, I think. And to get some DH at bats, really physical kid um, from the first Academy in Orlando six foot four, about 225 pounds. He's another guy that just really stands out physically when you, when you show up at Hauser, just a lot bigger than most kids. Um, about 90, 92 on the mound, sinking fastball, slider, change up. Um, he's, you know, consistent with the strike zone. Uh, I think he'll get a lot of innings this year, maybe as a midweek starter uh, so that they can let him hit on the weekends. Maybe, maybe he's in the bullpen. If, if you need, if other guys don't step up, he probably needs to throw a lot of innings in the bullpen. Um, so I think that that's most of the guys that will be relied upon on this staff this year. Yeah. And so, I mean, we'll get more in depth on, on some of these guys and, you know, starters, relievers, you know, give our thoughts on who closes as the preseason kind of continues to go forward. And, and as we get closer to opening day, um, I'll mention one more name. X factor is Doug Kirkland. Didn't see him only saw him once in the fall stuff looked really good. Has missed the last two years after Tommy John, before Tommy John was, you know, probably slated to be FSU's closer in 2021 or one of their top options, high octane stuff, mid nineties, two really good breaking balls, but you know, he's just really struggled to stay healthy consistently. Um, and, you know, don't really know what the fastball command will look like coming off the arm injury. Um, you know, that was something Hunter Purdue struggled with a couple of years back and they have a pretty similar kind of arsenal. So interested to see what what Doug looks like in the preseason going into the season cuz you know if he could if he gets right and is what he could be that's 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 a big time game changer for you cool uh all right well that's a pretty good um primer i think on on most of the positions and the groupings there and again we'll get more deep into it Brett uh we've been on for about 50 minutes so i do want to wrap this show here yeah. Um, we'll do another show, uh, maybe at the end of this week, even, um, and, and talk about some storylines from around college baseball, some big news in the, 
uh, in the coaching ranks, right. Getting a volunteer assistant to, to finally, you know, move up and be paid now to a, a third full is a third full assistant that's happening. Yeah. I believe if I've seen, so that that's a game changer. We'll get into that. I think on this next episode, um, and we'll talk about, you know, links philosophy a little bit more. Uh, we've got a lot of episodes coming before the season starts. Brett and I'll be back. Um, and we'll do a little bit of a mailbag too, as well, and answer some of your questions. But I think this is a good episode to kick off 2023, kind of, uh, where we're at, um, heading into the season. And I think Brett and I both want to emphasize a lot can change between what we saw in the fall and what actually happens on opening day. And things change, hopefully knock on wood, everyone's healthy, Brett, and uh, look forward to having a, a pretty fun preseason with you as we, we continue to get closer to, to that opening weekend against James Madison. Yeah. Get me out to the field on Friday. That's what I need. Yeah. Starting practice, practice starts officially this Friday. Yes. Yes. 27th. I think media and stuff will be early next week. Um, but get to talk to Lincoln, those guys. And I think we'll, we'll be getting a lot of interviews here with players as we go through position previews and stuff like that. And, and talk about preseason practices and hope to have all the coaches on at some point. So a lot of content coming up here to, to go, to go into the season. Yeah. Check out Brett's stuff at Knowles 247com uh, We do a great job at the Osceola.com as well. And uh, appreciate, you know, both of them for, for being cool about us, you know, continuing to do this podcast together and, and giving the FSU baseball fans um, what they deserve and, and, and kind of exclusive content um, baseball dedicated. So uh, make sure you, you subscribe on Apple pods, Spotify, or uh, on all of the major platforms. We appreciate you. Uh, this podcast has been a ton of fun to do over the last couple of years and, and the the momentum that has built um, from fans, from parents, from the players themselves. We'll, we'll keep doing interviews with, with coach and, and some of the players on the team and maybe some past players too. Uh, this has made it enjoyable for Brett and I to continue uh, to do Sunday gold. So um, Brett, anything you want to say finally before uh, we sign off and, and talk again, maybe later this week or early next. I think we'll mailbag later this week and get everyone's questions in. Maybe we'll just do a mailbag episode going into practice starting just to answer everyone's questions where we're currently at with those answers and then see where we go in the preseason from there. A lot of position battles still left to go on in preseason. So looking forward to it. You know, we'll be out there as much as I can be and, you know, trying to get everyone ready for big year, big new era coming in. For sure. So stick with us here. Uh, Sunday Gold, make sure to subscribe and uh, you'll get every episode uh, as we release it. So uh, for Brett Nevitt, I'm Mario Masuti, and this has been Sunday Golds.